Welcome to the EQ Podcast. Hey, welcome to the EQ Podcast, a show focused on equipping ministry leaders within the Calvary Chapel Association in the Pacific Northwest. I'm your host, Zach Lamberson, and I'm excited to be able to interview some of the guest speakers at a ministry conference this week in Kennewick, Washington. And over the next few weeks, we're going to have a number of in-studio guests. And with me today is uh, Pastor Chuck Lind and his wife, Pat. And we're really excited to have them as a couple on the show and just to hear from them. You know, Chuck, you're a, an associate pastor now in Meridian, Idaho, right? That's correct, yeah. How long have you been there? We've probably, we've been in, in Idaho for about two and a half, a little over two and a half years. And when we first came, we knew Paul down in Ontario. And, and I told Paul what we kind of wanted to do, yeah. a seniors ministry pickup on what we did over in Olympia. And so Paul said, you know, you might fit well with Troy, Troy Drake yeah. at Meridian. And so he introduced us, we talked, we had a conversation and, and hit it off pretty well. And so I started that. And then gradually, as we got to know each other, he brought me on as as an associate pastor and also on the elders board, things like that. Yeah, that's so. fine. And you got to get out of but Washington. But he's retired. Yeah, he's retired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to get out of Washington yeah. and retire yeah. and help do ministry. So how long, you guys were in Olympia. Yeah. Uh, how long were you there and how kind of, how did that happen? How, like, did you guys come out of Wayne's church or anything? I'm not sure what, what like your origins were. Like, Right. So we, we grew up in the Southern California, okay. San Diego area. And we helped plant a church in North San Diego. Ed Smith was the pastor in the beginning. And then Mark Foreman took it over, who has been there for several years. It's called Calvary North Coast. Was that sent out from Mike McIntosh's yep. church then? Yeah, because we were at Mike's church for okay. a while. Yeah, we were at Mike's church. But, but Ed actually came down from Costa Mesa. And, and, and started the North San Diego. And then he was there for a few years. And then Mark Foreman, his sons make up Switchfoot. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. and he, he just stepped down last year because my brother and my mom and, and my brother's wife, they all went there and loved it. And they miss Mark, but, but they like the, the, the guy that's taken over. Yeah. So we came from there. Then we ended up, we thought we were going to start a church in kind of South part of Seattle in uh, where, where was that it was 80 well we were in Carnation yeah but where were we going to do it I, f I forget somewhere down oh, in the south Kent 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 that's okay. where it was Kent yeah. Washington we, we started there and there's it, a cavalry there now yeah. yes there is oh, yes. yeah our Kevin friends yeah. We, we've been friends for many years and uh, so when we started we had about five people that ended up from San Diego join us and it grew from five to six in six months and then at the seventh month one of the guys quit and so, <laughs> and and so yeah so we're down to five people and I was I was and going, Wayne sent his brother Kelly to check out this yeah. guy because he, they'd heard weird things. Uh. <laughs> and it was funny because in Southern California, when I was doing the midweek Bible study at the North Coast Calvary, I mean, it was growing like crazy. I had right. like 125 people coming to our midweek study, and I wow. thought, well, this is going to happen up here, and it didn't. Yeah. So so that's when God kind of ordained this meeting with Kelly and Wayne, and so Wayne asked us to, to come on staff up there, and I was kind of his first assistant. Okay. Yeah, and we stayed there for five years, 
And then about that time, we discussed it a year or two earlier about me going someplace else and starting one because that's kind of what I knew I was going to do. Yeah. And he he and I decided let's wait at least a year or two. And then we ended up, there was a couple from Olympia that said, hey, would you come down and start something? So that happened in 1983. And we um, we just grew there. We, we grew... Um, started a home Bible a home study. Bible study, and yeah, and the church grew, and we ended in we step I stepped down in 2013, so 30 years. Oh wow! And um, and then we turned it over to a guy who had been with me for about 15, 20 years, and he's got it now. And we started about five or six churches, you know, within uh, you know. 15 to 20 miles all the way around us and so um a lot of we we those churches have all done pretty pretty well oh that's awesome so yeah yeah they've done well no i've met a lot of people from the church and uh we had a group that came down to our ranch and tried yes that's right we came down for a number of years that would help out and stuff yes always a blessing to have those guys out so that's fantastic um one of the things we've been focusing on in this podcast is because, you know, the Jesus Revolution movie came out. We're like looking back at the roots of Calvary Chapel right. and kind of how stuff started. You got, did you get saved under Mike's ministry then or just got kind of plugged in down there from that? So what people may not know is when Chuck said it was a work of the Holy Spirit, there were more people than you can imagine that were getting saved without any intervention between people. Like, for example... I got saved totally on my own. Oh, wow. I, I was working construction. No one was talking to me at all. And I came home one day and was um, just very filled with just ang- kind of dread and anxiety. And over about a three-day period, it just got worse and worse. So I was sitting in my apartment. My, I, I rented a room in a big, big house. And I was looking at the ocean. And all of a sudden, the Lord just spoke to me and just said, Chuck, it's time for you to follow me. Oh, wow. Now, this happened all in about maybe 35 to 40 seconds. And um, so... What year was this? This would have been... I was 21, so 1971. So, yeah, this is like right in the thick of the... Right in the thick of it, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, while this was all going, Chuck, up in Calvary. So, um, anyway... The Lord spoke to me, just said, I was raised in a Christian home. So the, the idea of God speaking to me wasn't foreign. And, and so, but he just said, Chuck, it's time to follow me. And I, I remember responding and saying, Lord, I don't want to follow and be a hypocrite like so many have, have <laughs> I've heard, yeah. I've seen and stuff. And the Lord spoke right back to me and said, that's none of your business. You just follow me. <laughs> just follow me. And that was it. That was it, and I, I I started going to my mom's dad and church, my mom and dad's church, and it was a Presbyterian, so it wasn't. I don't know. It was it was a, it was different for me, and I met. That's where I met Pat. We went to a, a college Bible um, study, and a college and adult, and the guy was great. He was teaching right through the Bible. Okay. And and, and so I had got involved with a friend who had been a barber. It was funny, he was a barber during the hippie movement. <laughs> so <laughs> so he would he would be in his barber shop cutting the hair of businessmen and there would be like 10 kids in there with hair down to the middle of their back and he was witnessing to them and discipling them why he was cutting this businessman's hair. And that and so I, he was the only thing in town that was doing something and so he taught me how to study the Bible and teach. He'd been my Sunday school teacher when I was in fifth grade yeah. and he taught me how to 
uh, study the Bible and teach right through the Bible. He, and he didn't even know that Calvary did that. He, oh, really? He liked J. Vernon McGee. Okay. He loved J. Vernon McGee. Yeah, J. Vernon's great. J. V, J. Vernon did that. So I learned how to st- teach right through the Bible before I even knew of Calvary Chapel. And then my boss, um, John, uh, he played um, pedal steel guitar. And he loved being in bands. And he, and, and, and he started going to this... Calvary he Ch- was a carpenter at we the time. We were carpenter first when we met. <laughs> and so John uh, started going to this place called Calvary Chapel. And, and he said, you got to try it. you got to try it. And I said, no, I can't. I need to be loyal to my church. Right. My dad taught me that. Yeah. And so he said, well, we're going to be playing music this weekend. Will you and Pat come? And uh, so... That's when we went down, and you know I kind of dressed in slacks and a nice shirt. <laughs> thinking, was that Chuck's church then, or no? It was, was Mike McIntosh's yeah. church in 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 San Diego. He had just leased a building, an old Baptist church, and so we went there. And I I looked at Pat, and all these kids were going in with. And our, I was going. This is really. I came out of Catholic background. <laughs> So it was very radical for me to have even gone to the Presbyterian church. I thought I was really stepping out. And then he takes me to this Calvary Chapel place, and I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) So we saw that, you know, they're all wearing sandals and trunks and T-shirts. I said, this can't be right. This is heaven. (laughs) And we went anyway because, you know, I was all dressed up, but I'd never dress the same again. And then I was there. Gosh, every time it was open. Yeah, and I was working swing shifts, so you were you were there all the time. Yeah, I, I drove down all, all the time. And interestingly enough, Mike moved to a place called North Coast Theater. I mean, uh, anyway, it was an old theater in downtown near Balboa. Mm-hmm. Balboa's Theater, something like that. I, I forget. But we did the remodeling. And oh, my your, boss, your construction company my, did. Well, my boss's construction yeah. company, yeah, who played in that band. And and we did the remodel for him, all the, oh, all the construction. We didn't do the um, interior, or not, the finish work, but we did all the, you know, construction, Framing getting everything stuff. ready. Yeah. And, and, and so, and it, it was, that was a great experience for us. And so then they started the church up in the north. Um, North Coast, and we went there for a while, and then I just felt like God was going <laughs> to take us somewhere. It was kind of funny, so I come home one night, and Pat was just about ready to go to work, and John, my boss, said, hey, Chuck, we could go to the Philippines and build churches. They need guys to do that, and so, <laughs> so um, <laughs> I do not take to change very yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so I went home, and <laughs> My wife would have issue too, Pat. So I'll tell you right now. <laughs> so, so I said, I came home and I said, "Hey, Pat, what do you think about going to the Philippines and building churches?" John just found out we could do that, and I was looking at her, and she puts her hands in her face and starts crying. <laughs> <laughs> she starts weeping. This, this is what I think. Convulsively. Yeah, yeah. And I knew we weren't going to the yeah, Philippines. Yeah, yeah. It I wasn't knew, in the cards. I knew we weren't going to go to the Philippines. <laughs> but she did consent to go to Seattle. But about that time, I got pregnant. Yeah. And we met up with your friend from high school. That's right, that Dean Liz. was moving up to the Seattle area. Yeah. And he was in construction. So yeah. basically, they had us come up and visit. 
Yeah. And then uh, after a week-long visit, he told Chuck, if you had any faith at all, you would, you would move up here and work with me. <laughs> it's and exactly we did. What he, said. Yeah. he was such a manipulator. And so, <laughs> so I did. And, and he, was, he, was, he's, he turned out to be very successful. He's in Spokane and has this huge place that's both antiques and organic foods and stuff and mm-hmm. his son's a farmer and 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 they've they've really done well still walking with the lord you oh, know all great. his kids homeschooled and stuff so but anyway that's kind of that's kind of how we ended up in seattle and then we moved down to olympia in 1983 and started there that's great so, so and you know just in the context of that movement you guys being so close to it uh, you know, one of the things we've been trying to gather is how how to translate that into the modern church. Like, what are what are things you think that you know are similarities or maybe even differences that were distinct then between now and and now? What's going on in the church? You know, revival is hard to describe because not only was my case uh, unique. I mean, I never hear about that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, today, um, and but. I knew the Lord spoke to me, and I've talked to other people, and there, there's a couple pastors up in Seattle. Um, they also experienced very similar things where no one was speaking to them, and God's Holy Spirit just fell upon them, and they gave their lives to the Lord. So it was a work of the Spirit, and I think Chuck, God had raised up the perfect guy for it because Chuck yeah. was gracious. God, God gave him that gracious heart to accept people the way they were, he saw the hand of God working in the lives of these young people. He gave them freedom to fail, but but he kept them focused on the word. That, that, that was probably the greatest thing. What you don't see in the Jesus Revolution is Chuck teaching through the word so much. You yeah. know, it's you you miss how important that was. Because they were getting taught every night. Um and I and I think maybe Lonnie's role was he was the magnet that attracted y- y- people li- uh, yeah to to the teaching that chuck had chuck was the father figure i yeah. feel like yeah. yeah and i think his role was a little might have been overinflated i was saying embellished a little bit yeah, i don't maybe i don't know if embellished was the right word but i think it, it almost makes it look like lonnie was the catalyst when I think it was more the word that was drawing people, mm-hmm. kids and stuff. I mean, Lonnie definitely was used. There's there's no question about that. But but then you don't see Mike's story. You don't see Rawls' story. You don't see... Um, all, it, but I think, too, if you remember, it's not a documentary. Yeah. And, and, and it's more... Greg wrote a book called The Jesus Revolution, and it was his testimony. It's his personal story, yeah. Yes, so, but, yeah, so that's inc- kind of what... You can't include all the... Y- yeah, so you, uh, what was there was accurate, you know. I, I think so, a little bit of it was embellished, yeah. you know, but but I think the, the, the revival was absolutely accurate. Mm-hmm. I mean... And I think people were hungry for the word and 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 hungry for the Lord. Well, don't you think it was it was a time of turmoil in the country? Yeah. And I think it's a time of turmoil now, yeah. which would to me say that it could be a time of doors opening for for a revival, because yeah. I think during those times of, of turmoil and people questioning everything. 
that those are times when people are are open to seeking God. Yeah, I completely agree. I think yeah. like a lot of that came out with COVID. You know, yeah. a lot of people, you know, yeah. uh, at least in our community, were confronted with the reality of death, and you know, it it's kind of been a weird dynamic because some of those people were afraid to go to public places, but mm-hmm. a lot of people. Have, I mean, we've seen a big influx. I'm sure you have in Meridian too of people, you know, coming to church and wanting to get plugged into, you know, at least maybe even coming from churches that wouldn't open. Going, we know we yeah. felt like the Holy Spirit says we need to be in fellowship. Yeah, we need to be around people. I agree. I agree. And so I, I do see some of that. You know, I've been talking to different ministry leaders, and I've got some of the same, you know, context that you guys are giving, just as far as the time of turmoil. Yeah. And we see that in the world and, yeah. you know, how that translates. And that's what we're praying for is that the, there'll be some kind of revival here, yeah. you know, yeah. that God will do some kind of move and some work here that we can, you know, look back in this time and see a similar movement take yeah. place. What are the, some of the differences, I guess, would be my, another question. You know, if those are some of the similarities we see, you know, things being scary in a sense in the world, this uncertainty. What are some differences you think between now and then? The I, internet. What? The internet. <laughs> yeah. The, the and internet. that can be good and bad. Yeah. Facebook. Because it's, it's allowed access all over the world for good teaching, but it's also allowed access all over the world for, for deception and for kids being sucked into things that they shouldn't be sucked yeah. into. So it's, it's a tool that's been used by the enemy to cause great harm and turmoil. But I think it's also a tool that the church has been using. Like even during COVID, people weren't going out, but at least they were getting online and they were getting good teaching. A lot of them were getting good teaching. Yeah. I think, too, the culture has shifted in that how we form our identity now. In the culture before, you your identity sort of came from outside you know you 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 identified with family how you impacted family um you identified about your career was important what you wanted to do with your life and stuff now it's more coming from inside it's like whatever you feel your heart wants you to do you should be able to do and so it's creating this i think in a lot of ways, confusion for young people because as we know in the Bible, it says the heart is wicked and it's deceitful. And so we're, they're being told, just follow your heart, just follow your heart. And they don't really know what their heart is telling them. And that's why they need guidance from parents and for older adults. And yet we're telling them that they don't need that. Yeah. And so it's very confusing for them. And, and the scary thing is, some people in positions of authority are trying to help them make decisions that a, a young person shouldn't make until they're older, and it's going to, in fact, impact the rest of their lives. Yeah, we're deal- we deal with that in counseling situations where we have people who said, you know, year after the fact, you don't hear that story about people who've made transitions or, yeah. you know, done these major surgeries and said, you know, I was... I did it, and I, you know, people were telling me I should do it, pressured into it, and they yeah. didn't know what they're, you know, like kind of how life alternate was. And yes. How irreversible. Yes. And yes. So that, that I would definitely, you know, I, get, I agree, complete distinction of that, you know, because of, you know, information, because of the technology, because of social media, a lot of the yeah. pressure that people have, and the, you know, yeah. so there's some definitely scary things in, in that regard. Um, 
you know, I think one of the things that's real helpful for um, ministry in, in the Northwest, because we've got a lot of aging Calvary chapels. We've got a lot of guys who were first gen like you guys or right back, you know, real close to it. And um, one of the things I've been asking, and you did it successfully, is how to pass this on to the next generation. Right. Right. You guys were in a, church, a place for 30 years. And, you know, I, I think my my question um, would be, how did you do that? How did you, how, how was the hardest part of tra- that transition for you guys and uh, what did it look like? You know, because it's successful. It's still going. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, you know, sometimes it's like guys, kids that they're passing it off to. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you guys, did, it wasn't that case with yeah. you. So what what was the thing, you know, I guess, how, how, how would you give advice to someone who's looking to right. do the same thing? Right. When you start your ministry, start being a Paul to a Timothy in your church. The guy that took over was Timothy yeah. in our church to yeah. Chuck. Chuck mentored him well, for twenty years almost. Well, he was yeah. yeah. He had been with me for twenty years. So you need to, as a pastor, have your eye open for young men that you see potential in, and pour into their lives. That's what I think. Right. Yeah, and I I would agree with that. I I always recognized. I mean. I wasn't banking on the rapture. I, I hope it comes at any moment, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't want to live my life as though um, I was going to be taken up in the rapture and I didn't have to worry about someone taking my place. Right. In fact, I remember one time I was at a pastor's conference and um, I, I, or a pastor's meeting up in Seattle. We had probably 40, 50 guys there. And <clears throat> I just prayed that God would show us the guy that was going to take over take over our place. And after we stopped praying, a couple of guys said, Chuck, are you quitting? Or are you stepping down? I said, no, I just want to pray for the guy that's going to take my place, that God would show me who it is. Because I, I knew that that was going to happen. Yeah. And so um, the session I'm going to be doing later, you know, talks about that is, like Pat said, you, you look for certain guys that you see that it's, it's just like Joshua. He was always around the tabernacle with yeah, Moses, always absolutely. there. So I just look for guys like that, and I would grab a few guys and say, hey, how would you like to meet every other Sunday right after church? And we would, uh, you know, just go through life. We would go through scripture. We would usually pick a book of leadership that we could go through. And so they were seeing what leadership looked like in, in life. And so I just meet with them, spend time, take them places, take them on tr- mission trips, take them to Israel, things like that. Yeah. And so hire them if I could. You know, we were fortunate <laughs> yeah. to where we could we could hire, just like you guys are, mm-hmm. you, you know, we, we could hire sometimes young guys that could do either youth ministry or young adult ministry or just be interns. And it, when you're around them that much, you're, you, they see your life. We would have them to our home and, you know, I would sometimes have guys that were workers, you know, guys that had regular jobs. I'd say, hey, meet us at our house and... And we'll meet from 5.30 to 6.30. My wife will make us an easy dinner. And then you can get home to make sure you put the kids to bed and stuff like that. And their wives liked that better. Because I yeah. told them, ask your wives, do you want to be out late? Or do you want to be out early and then get right home? And they all wanted them home for bedtime and yeah. stuff. So we would do that. And, and it worked out great. And, you know, you just spend time with them. It was mostly just FaceTime. 
you know, just talking about that, what you go through. what He was always grabbing groups of young guys and, and spending time going through leadership stuff with them. And yeah. those guys are often the ones that went out and planted our sister churches. Yeah. yeah. What was the most difficult part of that transition for you? Difficult? Yeah. Saying goodbye to everybody the morning where I said I was going to step down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was pretty did hard. Did you guys stay at the church? or? Did you oh, yeah, yeah, we stayed, did. yeah. That was, was such a blessing. Yeah. So we tell them what we did. How did we make that transition easier? So, so he had John take more and more time with teaching. And then when we had our final retirement service or whatever after that then we took off for six months and didn't we weren't at the church and we did all the traveling that we've been talking about doing <laughs> for all the years yeah. for for years and i got to see yellowstone and glacier and yep. and and all that and and then we came back and were part of the church and started the senior and so you know we didn't feel like we abandoned them and we were still around, but we had given John the time to become their pastor. Yeah, I love that because I've seen, I've heard of different transitions. Some guys will just like cut it off and like feel like they can't be at the church anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I think that the healthier thing like you, you guys did is, uh, you know, bringing someone along getting the people familiar with them. Yeah. So you're switching off. They're yeah. seeing them regularly. Yeah. And then when it's their turn, you kind of leave for a season, but don't yeah. just abandon. I think yeah. that's a really great model. If yeah. guys are looking to, to pass it on, I think that you guys did a really and good job. One thing that helped too was the seniors ministry because most of those people grew up with me. Yeah, those are the people that would leave the church typically. Yeah. Yeah. And they would have the hardest time. so we stru- Or they would sit in service and complain. Yeah. So we started the Wednesday morning thing, <laughs> and, and the yeah. seniors would come to that. So they would, what the, in their own language, they'd say, I get a dose of Chuck each week, yeah. you know. And so it was easier for them as a result of that. And so. And Chuck could say, let John have his way of doing yeah. things. I yeah. did things my way. And, and so he. And what I appreciate about even the seniors ministry there where we are now, you know, we need to not be those older people that are saying, why are they doing this stuff that they're doing now? We don't like the changes yeah, and, yeah. and all of that stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's easy to do that. Yeah. I'm, that's my nature. You yeah. know, I'm I, not even very old, and I do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But, oh, these young but kids. They, they're they getting do? a steady dose of saying, if you want to be still used and still a part of the church, then you can't cut yourself off that way. You have to be involved and supportive of yeah. what's going on with the younger people. Yeah. Yeah. I love our pastor's wife, uh, Bobby. She's yeah. always she's like kick the old people out kind of mentality like anyone in leadership anyone doing stuff up front she's like we need young people and she doesn't you know we went to a pastor's conference years ago she tells a story where it was uh, one of wayne's sons playing in the band and it's loud it's like really rocking music and she like she was like i do not like this at all and the lord just convicted her and said who cares what you think? <laughs> you know, yeah. They're singing godly yeah. music. And yeah. she's I was like, a little bit with her on that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. You, you've got to, and that's why, you know, when Jesus talked about not putting new wine into old wine skins, yeah. and then he, the, the, the last verse he says, so that both will be preserved. 
And so you want to be able to preserve both. You, you, you don't want to just remove old people because they're old now. I mean, that, that sends a horrible message because yeah. we as a society don't even respect old people anymore. And, and yet we should accommodate them, but we have to make room for the young people. So if you don't do anything for the seniors, then you're just saying you're worthless to us now. Right. We don't care about you anymore. You have nothing to offer. And yet, we, we don't accommodate them. And so that's my kind of my vision is I want to help my generation finish the race well. And, I, and, and they do that by being together. They do that by being able to encourage each other and, and support each other and, and not being felt like. In fact, Troy came up to me and the other day, Pastor Troy, and, and said, uh, we were talking and, and, and he said, you know what some of the old people are telling me? And I said, no. And he said, they feel like they're well taken care of now. And, and, and I, I appreciated him saying that because yeah, it's a good compliment. Yeah. They don't feel like they've been thrown out and put out in the pasture. <laughs> you know? So no, I love, you know, that's one of the things I've always loved about our fellowship is, you know, there are some ministries when they start, they want to focus entirely on the youth to the exclusion of yeah. The elderly and yeah. vice, or the vice versa, they're holding on to what they had, and yeah. so they don't want to invite the youth. And yeah. when you look at our congregation, I'm sure it's the same with you know Olympia and and, um, and Meridian as well. But it just looks like what people in the world are. You yeah. all ages, all, all families. Ages. It's yep. not a Absolutely. youth church. It's not a youth yep. group. It's not yep. a senior citizens yep. group either. It's yep. like it's just all spectrum. That to That's, me is like that most healthy. Yeah. Kind of church is because you know your young people need yeah wisdom they need the people to yeah. to yeah. ask and be discipled by and i think vice versa sometimes the older people need the young zeal and spirit and yeah. you know enthusiasm of the youth to... absolutely 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 you remember when we started the church basically it was all young families yeah. our mm-hmm. age yeah. and and they all grew up together and i can remember praying for a gray hair to come in the door (laughs) and and when they did we there was great rejoicing in the land barbara and bob bob and barbara roddle yeah (laughs) i i think too the nice thing is when these are grandmas and grandpas that are coming you know and their kids are coming and their grandkids are coming because when you have whole families coming together at church um they all do different things. Yeah. The youth like doing different things, but so do the seniors. And so if you're involving them all, they're going to have an impact on their family. You know, it's just going to be so much better all the way around. And so I think we're in a culture where we kind of um, compartmentalize. And so youth like to be together. Um, young adults like to be together. Uh, seniors like to be together, and then they all come together for church. So I, I don't see a problem with that. I, I, I really think you want to help people. It's like I met a guy today named Sean that's at the church in uh, Caldwell, and he was telling me that he now is able to minister to guys who are coming out of certain lifestyles and stuff, you know, drugs and alcohol and things like that, maybe prison even. And the one thing that was so effective, he says, I have credibility now. I've been there. You can't pull anything over my eyes. Yeah. I know what you're going through. And so I think, you know, when you're sharing with people, like I had a guy the other day come in that's a Vietnam vet, and he's so angry about the way our country's going right now. And yet God brought him in on the perfect message on John where Jesus said, if my kingdom were of this world, 
my my servants would fight. But, yeah. but our kingdom isn't of this world. We fight with different things, with prayer, with love, with servanthood, those some kind of and, and and so afterwards we talked for a while and, and his wife is just hoping that he I said, you know, you Johnny, you shouldn't be watching the TV so much. He she he watches news all the time and it just makes him mad and he doesn't know what yeah. to do with his anger. Mm-hmm. And 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 so we talked about that and so Hopefully, you know, he'll be around the people there that are real loving more and be able to handle it better, you know, so. No, that's great. And I appreciate you guys coming on. I just have a, we call this a lightning yeah. round. Quick questions. And you can both answer or just okay. you, Chuck. But uh, who's your go-to pastor to listen to, dead or alive? Man, boy, I, I like, oh boy, go-to pastor to listen to. I, there's so many Calvary guys I like listening to, you know. There's, I like Skip. I like John. I, I like J. Vernon McGee. I, I, I like Alistair Begg, yeah. you know, and, and guys like that. I, um, I just listen to a lot of different guys. I don't think there's any one guy that I, uh, you know, I used to love Chuck. I listen yeah. to Chuck all the you time. Can go, you could say Chuck. Yeah. 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 I, like, I listen to Alistair Begg a lot. Alistair Begg is yeah. great too, yeah. yeah. Okay, how about this? A good read, a, a book you've been read, maybe read recently, or you could suggest to guys that would be good. I just, I'm just reading a book right now by a guy named Paul Copen. And he's a philosopher, theologian, and he wrote a book called Is God a Moral Monster? And oh, yeah, I have that book. You have that book? Yeah. Have you read it? I have not. Okay, okay. so <laughs> I'm reading it now. And basically, he's just dealing with atheists' critique of the God of the Old Testament. Yeah. And he just addresses all the issues. And, he, and he's doing a really great job of it. Yeah, about halfway through. And Steve it, and bought that for me years ago, and I just have never <laughs> read it. <laughs> Well, he just came out with another one too. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm reading that right now. So I, I really and uh, what else was I reading? Oh, uh, John Piper wrote a book, Fifty One Reasons Why the Cross and the Resurrection Are Vital in Our Lives. Oh, cool. And and, and so and and the they're almost like a devotional. It's almost like a devotional. There's yeah. about four or five pages for each topic, and so he has fifty one reasons. So I, I'm I'm I've Read that all the way through and him reading it through a second time. It's nice. really good. I wonder why he didn't just land on 50s. Like, let's just keep going. One I know. More. I know. <laughs> I, I mean, but but each one, he, he he does do it well. They are very, they're, they don't cross a lot of, you know, they're, they're pretty clear, each yeah. individualistic. So, all right, one more. What, what's, if you had to give uh, people in ministry, and you know, I would say specifically full-time ministry, whether it's paid or not, like just one piece of advice, what would that advice be? Have thick skin. Have thick skin. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, a guy one time just gave me a good piece of advice. He says, just don't take things personal, you know, just because sometimes you're seeing people at their worst. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are taking things out on you. And you've got to realize, it's just like when when the people were grumbling against Moses and Aaron. You know, the Lord said, look, you've got to realize they're angry at me. It's not you. Yeah. It's me. And so that helped a lot over the years because you just go through it. You, you know, people can get upset. They get hurt. And and if, if, if you let that just get at you, it, it can be difficult. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's really good. That's where I see people going into burnout the most is when when they're so 
sensitive to everything that people are saying yeah. to yeah. and about them. Yeah, that's why we got it. It's got to be, we have to serve the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. got to be Him. So yeah. thank you guys so okay. much for hanging out with yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate Pat. Thanks for being on the show as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Zach. You're you guys, welcome. <laughs> you guys have been a pleasure. So yeah. God bless you guys. All right. You too. The EQ Podcast is here as a resource for our listeners. Check us out at eqministry.com. On our website, you'll find a variety of helpful tools, including past ministry conferences and a contact form to seek out help or counsel from seasoned Calvary pastors who want to encourage you in your serving or answer your ministry-related questions. Until next time, God bless.